Amen. Thank you, men. I uh, wasn't expecting that. I just started crying through that song. That really hit me, guys. So I appreciate the ministry of song in this church. Appreciate those truths. Because I don't know about you guys, but I want to be the man that they're talking about, even if you're a lady. Um, you know what I mean. <sighs> okay. Well, good morning, church. Uh, let's turn to Hebrews 10. And let's have a look at some things in the Word of God this morning. Say amen if you are glad for the Word of God. It's good for us to uh, it's good for us to sing. It's good for us to mean what we sing, and it's good to even just think about the words as we sing as well. Um, Jason and I were just praying before, and that's what we were praying for. That as we sing, we would we would think about these things, not just go into autopilot. So I hope that's your your way of uh, approaching worship in church. But like I said, it's good for us to pray for one another and uh, continue to pray. Please continue to pray for the Lloyd family. Pray for Daryl and Trish, but Pastor and and Cassie and the kids as well. Uh, Keep them in your prayers, please. And uh, for the men in Thailand as well, I received a message from uh, Brother Sylvester this morning saying things are going well over there. Thank you for praying for them. Uh, They've helped the church in Thailand with some outreach. Um, Young Josh has been handing out tracts as well. said he really loves doing that, so praise the Lord for that. Um, The Lord can work on on even the little ones as well. Praise the Lord. All right, Uh, Hebrews 10, I'm going to pray and then we'll we'll have a look at some things here. So if you bow your heads with me, we'll, we'll say a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day. Lord, you have ordained this day to be. You've ordained us to be here this morning. And uh, Father, you understand uh, each of our hearts, Lord. I thank you for that, uh, that you are a personal God. I thank you that you uh, can minister to us through many ways, Lord God. And uh, I do want to commit to you uh, the people we've already mentioned this morning, the Lloyd family and Brother Rolf and his family, Lord God. We just ask for your strength upon them. Uh, Father, we ask that uh, they would know you in a very real way right now. And, uh, Lord, that you would continue to place them on our hearts, uh, that we may be a help and a blessing uh, in this time of need, Lord God. We thank you for a church that you have built. We thank you for the body of believers here, Lord God. And I do pray that you would minister to us this morning. Uh, We'll continue to, Lord, we know you already have, and we just ask that you continue to do that for us, please. Uh, Lord, we don't deserve it, but you are a good God, and we ask that, Father. Lord, I pray you would help us just to turn our attention to your word now. Help us to learn some things, Lord. Uh, Help me, please, to just explain what you have shown me, Lord God, and uh, what you have brought me through. And and I just do pray that it be a blessing. I pray it be glorifying to you, Father. I pray it be uh, edifying to the the people here, Father God. And uh, we thank you for your truths. We thank you for your word. Thank you that you are a good God. And uh, we want to commit our time to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I'm not, uh, not going to get you to sing this morning. You've already done that. But put your hand up if you've heard of the song or you know of the song, People Need the Lord. Have you heard pretty much most people in here? I think if you've watched any missions presentations, it's probably the song that's playing in the background. Say amen if you believe that people do need the Lord. Amen. And uh, particularly in this day and age, people need the Lord. Well, I agree with that. Uh, I think most of us would. Uh, but I want you to know, and I, want, I guess probably remind you because you probably already know, that people need the Lord, but people also need people. Uh, 
People need other people. And uh, the Lord's designed it that way. He, he made Adam and he didn't leave him alone. He said it's not good for him to be alone. I don't think he was just talking about uh, husband and wife there. I think he's, he was talking also about the fact that people need people. Uh, we need the Lord for a lot of things and the Lord does do a lot of things for us. Uh, but that's, that's the title of my message this morning is, is people need people. And uh, we're not meant to be alone in, in the Christian life. We're not meant to be like an island uh, trying to work it all out for ourselves. Uh, the, the Lord gives us his Holy Spirit, helps us to understand things in the Bible, but he's also established the church for us to be a part of. And, and I know I'm talking to the church this morning. You're here. Uh, I'm not trying to convince you to be in church. Um, but I guess I'm just reminding ourselves that we need each other. Uh, we, we often think, yes, I need the Lord, I need to commit things to the Lord, I need the Lord's strength and the Lord's help, uh, but he'll often do that through the people that he puts around us. Uh, so I just want us to remember that this morning and just have a look here, um, and hopefully it'll just be a help with us as we go on this year uh, in, in the church here and amongst, amongst each other. Um, and God's building his body. There's people, there's people that God's adding to this body all the time. There's people that walk through these doors and, and they become part of the body and you know, most of us here are part of the body. Um, but I want you to remember, and I have to remind myself, and probably this is why I'm, I'm speaking about this this morning, is because the Lord's really highlighted it and illuminated it in my life, is that you need other people and other people need you. I need you as a church, I need you. And you know, it might sound arrogant to say you need me, but you need you need other people as well. You need me, you need the person next to you, you need the person in front of you and behind you. You need our pastor, you need the people working in different ministries in this church. Uh, we all need each other and it's not like, oh, I can't live without you, but God's designed us to, uh, to input into each other's lives. Um, so that, that might strike a little bit of a chord, like, hang on a minute, I don't, I don't need other people. I can... I can very comfortably do this thing myself. I can very comfortably live the Christian life and I don't have to rely on other people. And, and that's probably something that society often will push on us as well. Society often pushes on you that you are your own person and that you don't need anyone else's help. Um, and that can, that can slide into the, the mentality of Christians, unfortunately. And I, and I can put my hand up. I, I've been guilty of doing that. Uh, two things I would see is that the society will push on us is that you, you should be independent. You should have your independence. Uh, we might say things like, I don't need anyone's help, or I'm my own person, or I don't trust others, or perhaps this one, I can't find that I can rely on others. Therefore, it's just better that I get on with this myself. Um, not having a trust in other people to, to assist in any particular way. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I even walk into a shop, um, I did it the other day, I said to Nicole, we walked into a shop trying to find a piece of jewellery for someone, and the, I said, before the lady came, I said to Nicole, just tell her we don't need any help. <laughs> I just want to get in here and I just, I know what I'm looking for. I don't need her to like throw out all these suggestions and upsize me and all that kind of stuff. I know what I want, so just, we don't need any help. Um, and that's something simple. That's, that's, a, that's a nothing thing. Um, but when we do that a lot, then we can start thinking even, yeah, I, I got this Christian life thing. I got this Christianity, I've got this church thing, or I've got this ministry thing, or this relationship thing. I got it. Um, but we really do need we really do need each other. The other thing is, if it's not independence, it might be uh, something that I would say is aloneness. I, want, I just want to retreat back into myself. I, 
it's not that I'm thinking, yeah, I've got this and I'm, you know, all good and I'm confident, but uh, I just don't want, I don't want people looking into my life. So I'm going to stay away from having that, you know, conversation with other people. So independence and aloneness are things that can, uh, I guess, stifle what God wants to do in and, in and amongst us uh, as a body, as people. Um, so those are the two things that really, they, they leave no room for others and they kind of feed into each other as well. Because if you're someone like me who's like, I don't want people looking into my life and I don't want to have to share things about me or struggles that I'm having, uh, then you become a little bit I'm independent because you've kind of pushed other people away and, and now all of a sudden it's, okay, well, I ha- I'm doing this by myself. I don't, I don't trust other people. So they kind of loop back into each other. Um, and a little bit of a story, my, my brother Matthew, um, some of you know him, some of you don't, um, he uh, has orange hair and that's where I get the orange beard from. Um, don't hold it against me, it's, it's genetic. Um, my, mother, my brother Matthew, he became a Christian a number of years ago and he was off the rails. He, you know, he was the last person anyone thought would become a Christian. And he, we had grown up in Christian houses, we grew up in the Catholic church and then into like a Pentecostal churches. And uh, he had seen, I guess, along the way, mum and dad kind of church hopped a little bit and had seen some hypocritical church members and all that. So when he finally did surrender to the Lord, he was of the opinion that, no, I'm not doing that church thing. I'm not going from church to church and then just seeing all these fake Christians uh, and, you know, I'm not doing that life. I'm not, I'm not following what mum and dad kind of did. So he became a Christian and then he tried to get as far away from Brisbane as he could. So he went to Geraldton in WA, which is as far as you can get from Brisbane. Um, and he was over there for a number of years and he tried to do that. He tried to just be a Christian and not attend church. And he really struggled with it. He had, he had good intentions Excuse me. He had good desires. He, I was speaking to him on the phone yesterday. He had, an, he had good desires to do things for the Lord and wanted the Lord to do things in his life. But he was never able to really convert those things into actually practically doing them, into actually outworking them. And uh, he tried for, I think, I think he said over a year, to just be a Christian, read his Bible, pray, um, as much as you can be a Christian without other people around you. He tried to do that and he just really struggled. And he started off like with the good intentions of I want to change my life and I want the Lord to do things. And I asked him, I said, what was the spark that kind of made you go, hey, I actually need to go to church now? And he said, well, I had all these intentions and then one day I just woke up and realised, you know what, I've just been doing the same thing over and over, just trying to better uh, myself as a Christian and failing all the time. And I'm just, it's like insanity. I'm just trying to do the same thing over and over again and never get anywhere. And I end up back where I started, almost feeling like, am I saved? Like, is anything ever going to change? And so that was the spark for him to say, okay, I I think I need to try this thing called church. Uh, Despite the bad experiences that perhaps my family's had and I've seen along the years, maybe there is something in in being a part of a group of believers. And so he he attended a church. He just picked one that was close to him and, uh, you know, the rest is history, really. He just found out that when you get involved in a church and you get involved in what God has set up, not what man set up, but God has set up, uh, that that helps you. That helps you do this thing called the Christian life. It strengthens you and encourages you. And, and he said it was like, uh, like, I'm a graphic designer by trade, 
and this is the best I can liken it to. When I'm working on uh, a design on my computer and I've spent a few hours on it and I'm looking at it finely and I'm tweaking and adjusting and all that and I think it's pretty good and then someone else comes over my shoulder and goes, oh, what about that? Change this. Uh, that doesn't quite work there. And I don't like that. <laughs> I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I hate it when people put in their two cents worth, but I know the value of it. And then I go, if I sit back and I go, oh, actually, if I try that, that, that probably will be better. And that's what my brother found when he started attending a church. Is he thought he was doing this to the best of its ability, like getting the most out of what God had put there. But another set of eyes helped him to see, hang on a minute, you're not quite interpreting that correctly, or you're not quite looking at that right, or whatever the, the issue was, he found that he, he, wasn't, he wasn't making progress like he, he ought to, like he should. And uh, we all need a second set of eyes in our spiritual life, amen? I know I certainly do. And my wife is probably one of the biggest ones for me. She probably doesn't even know it. A lot of the things she says just along the way, um, that's a second set of eyes and I need her. And yes, she's my wife and you know, her husband should you know, say that about his wife and all that, but I'm not just saying that to get brownie points and I'm just saying that you know, just to say it. Really, I, I need my wife because she, does, she is the second set of eyes in my spiritual life. So you might be sitting here going, well, I'm not married like you. Okay, but you're in a church like me because my wife's not the only one that has a second set of eyes in my life. There's plenty of other people in this building right now that, that do and probably don't even know it. So why am I saying this? Because I want, I want to remind you of it because you can go through this year or any year. It's not just because it's the start of a year, uh, but you can forget these things and you can kind of just go through the motions and forget how much you need people and how much people need you. So I know you're not my brother. I know you're in church today um, and... My point is that we're all capable of having that mindset of, I got this, and uh, God doesn't want us to have that. So God can use all sorts of avenues and, and things to achieve his will, but he usually uses people to fulfil his purposes in your life. Um, I don't know if you've ever started a fitness plan um, and never finished it, but maybe if you started a fitness plan, uh, it's good to have like an account accountability partner to help you achieve the goals that that you've set, if you've set any goals. Um, and I guess what I'm saying is that we sometimes we need a spiritual accountability partner. And uh, I like to call this a slap. Sometimes we need a slap. We need a spiritual life accountability partner. Um, we need lots of slaps. <laughs> and, uh, and God gives us slaps. He gives us spiritual life accountability partners. They're all around you right now. Uh, our pastor is, is a major one in my life. Um, but they're all around you. We need a spiritual life accountability partner. And I'm not saying, you know, you report to every single person in the church about what's going on in your life, but you make it a little bit more available than probably it is right now. You make other people a little bit... Uh, you make yourself open a little bit more to that uh, because God's put these people in your life for this very reason. So sometimes we need that slap. It requires us to be, I've found, honest about where we're at, honest about where we're not at, that we, where we should be, and uh, assessing those things, and not just honesty, but also humility, being teachable. Those are hard things. Easy to say, very, very hard to do sometimes. To have someone look at your life and uh, you've said to them, you know, you're allowed to tell me if I'm doing something wrong, 
or you know, if I've got it a little bit wrong, uh, that that that's that's vulnerable. That's that can hurt sometimes. But just like I said with the design thing, second set of eyes, it really can help because God's probably going to use that person to help you and to assist you. Um, so it requires honesty, humility, and uh, sometimes you've got to learn from people that you probably wouldn't think that you could learn from. I mean, do you think you can learn from a five-year-old? Some of you are like, I don't want to say yes. <laughs> you can. You can learn a whole lot from a five-year-old. You can learn a lot from you know, a 50-year-old at any age. See, that's, that's probably where we get stuck sometimes is like, I'm only going to learn from the person who's up the front or I'm only going to learn from a person who, and you put some prerequisite on it. But if you're willing to say, okay, Lord, show me, help me, uh, I need the people around me, you're going to see a help in a lot of things. And like I said, most people won't even know that they're, they're helping you by the things they say, how they treat people, what they do. Uh, a word that they say in season, it's like, how good is that? Uh, so you've got to be able to, to be teachable and learn from different people. Uh, sometimes we need a slap, but sometimes we need to be the slap for someone else. We need to be that spiritual life accountability partner for other people. And uh, this, is, this is where I want to focus a little bit, is uh, that we need to be mindful of each other and we need to care in order to fulfil what God has for us. So you're in Hebrews 10. I'll just read two verses here. Hebrews 10, verse 24, 25. Um, says this. And let us consider, and that's the word I want you to think about, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We need to consider one another. And that word consider is really talking about fixing your eyes and your mind upon. So if we're doing that for each other, that means we're actually taking time to think, what is that brother thinking and going through right now? What is that sister, what's happening in her life right now? What's happening in my children's lives right now? Considering them. You know, when, I, when someone says to me, how do you pray for someone? Like my children might ask, Dad, you know, what do I pray for? Yeah, I, I say, don't just pray, you know, God bless them or God give them that job or whatever. Just think about it. What, what's going to affect, what are all the sur- surrounding circumstances in that one thing we're praying for? So if it's, you know, that person needs a job, okay, well, that's probably going to affect their family. Uh, we're talking finances. Uh, we're talking, you know, confidence in what the Lord can do for that person. Uh, there's a hot, there's talking about, you know, their testimony, witnessing to the people they may be able to work with. Maybe there's a job God wants for them particularly. You know, you can start thinking about what, how is this going to affect everything. You're, what you're doing is you're considering them. You're not just ticking it off a list, but you're actually sitting back and going, I'm going to think about this. And that's, that's what we need to do. We need to consider one another because in that verse 24 it says, what, what happens when we consider one another? Well, we do things like provoke them unto love and to good works. Uh, we don't forsake assembling ourselves together. I know you're here this morning. Is, maybe someone else isn't here that we need to encourage to be here. Just saying. So where to do this considering in light of uh, what, in consider, considering what Christ has already done for us? Because the previous verses in that chapter 10, it talks about what Christ has done for us and that we should think about that. We consider his sacrifice. 
And any time that we consider Jesus Christ, it really does make us consider other people. It really does change our thought process to, what do I think about other people? How am I treating other people? So when we focus on Christ, it gives us that better outlook and perspective on the people around us. So once you start doing that, then you're able to be used more of the Lord. And you see the benefit of that. And then you might even say, hang on a minute, I'm going to open myself up to a little bit of that so other people can, can help me. And that's not selfish. It's what God's designed. It's how he set it up. So thinking of what Christ has done will cause you to think about others. And as a Christian, the Holy Spirit inside of you will help you to do that. Uh, if you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, a very familiar passage about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, so I just want to read two verses here. But while you're turning there, the fruit of the Spirit is not a fanciful idea. It's not, a, it's not an aura that you just emit because you're a Christian. You don't, just, you, you don't get the Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden you're walking in all of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not, it's, it doesn't just, it's not this like, it, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes submission, it takes humility. So verse 22, verse 23, Galatians 5, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, we probably read that a hundred times, um, but what I... I guess what I got out of it this time is asking the question, who is the fruit of the Spirit meant to be directed or manifested to? It's meant to be directed and manifested mostly to other people. Because do we really need to have long-suffering with God? I hope not. <laughs> the answer is no, we don't have to have long-suffering with God. Uh, these are the things that are sp we're supposed to manifest these things to other people. And may I say, probably particularly to other Christians, to the brethren. So that's the people sitting right next to you. That's, and I know not everyone here is saved, but majority are. So we're talking about manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, purposing to show these things to the people around us. Okay, not This is not something that we're, we're trying to say, okay, God, I'm going to show you all these good things. It's... It's showing God you love him by doing these things through to the people around you, the people in this room. The, the Christian life is about giving and receiving, ultimately, isn't it? I mean, Christ gave himself and we receive salvation because of that. Well, it's good for us also to be a giver and a receiver. And uh, Paul talks about that in Acts uh, 20. I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there. Acts 20, 35. It says, I have showed you all things, how that so labouring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. What did he say? It is more blessed to give than to receive. So you've heard it said before, yes, it's blessed to, it's, it's blessed to give, but it's also blessed to receive. So there's good things come, that come out of receiving. And that's what I want to, I guess, just prompt you with a little bit this morning is... Uh, the Christian life is not all about what you just give out. You can also receive. You can be taught. You can be humble. You can, you can, you can take from people, not in a, you know, I'm robbing you sense, but in a, I'm learning from you sense. 
I'm learning from another brother or a sister, uh, another Christian who may have gone through some things or someone else who's just doing their Christian life and you don't even, they don't even know that they're teaching you something. So it's good for us to be a giver and a receiver. Now, I don't know if you, if you write notes, if you're taking notes, if you have a pen and paper, um, but I just studied through this and I just, came, I just found, I did a search in the scriptures where there's commands, I guess you could say, given to Christians uh, toward one another, that, that term one another or each other. And uh, I found about 22 different things that have, when I, I'm just going to read these out and it's not going to take that long, but think about the fact that they all have a giving and receiving aspect to them. And that might be to you like, duh, everything does, because if someone's giving, someone has to receive. But you might be sometimes the giver of that thing, but you might be the receiver of that thing sometimes, depending on who it is that God's putting in your life right now. Okay? So these, these, these are 22 things that I found where commands are one another in Scripture, from brethren to brethren. John 15, 7, love one another. Pretty big one, that one. Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectioned one to another. Romans 12, 10, prefer one another. That's hard. Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind one toward another. Romans 15, 7, receive one another. Romans 15, 14, admonish one another. Romans 16, 16, salute one another. 2 Corinthians 13, 12, greet one another. You're supposed to be kind in your greeting. <laughs> Galatians 5.13, serve one another. That's a big one too. That's the heart of Jesus right there. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. We hear that a lot to do with prayer, but it's, it's more than just prayer. Ephesians 4.2, forbear one another. Ephesians 4.32, this is a hard one, forgive one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Ephesians 5.21, submit ourselves to each other. That's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> Submitting yourself to another person. I mean, we submit ourselves to the Lord, but also the Lord's built this body for us and he said that we ought to submit ourselves to each other. And it's not, it's not a game of, you know, who's the better. It's saying, you know what, I need to be humble and I can learn from him and I can learn from her and him and her. Submitting ourselves to each other. Philippians 2 verse 3, esteem each other. Colossians 3.16 says, teach and admonish one another. And that's talking about in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And there's another verse, I can't remember where it is, I think it's in psalms. It says that we should do that to ourselves. We should, we should sing um, hymns and so spiritual songs to, to ourselves. But this one in Colossians 3.16 says that we should do that for each other as well. So even, even something like worship in singing, we're not just singing for God and we're not just singing for ourselves, but we're also supposed to admonish each other with, with our singing. No matter how good or bad you sound, uh, it's supposed to edify and admonish each other. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, edify one another. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another. Hebrews 10.24, we've looked at this, consider one another. James 5.16, confess faults to one another. That's hard because that opens a door, doesn't it? Or they might judge me, they might think I'm weak, all sorts of things. But if you can get past that, uh, there's a lot of benefit in that. There's a lot of value in that. And it's not talking about going around and you know, telling everyone what you did wrong. 
but are there a few people in this room that you would you would talk to about those kind of things? Because it will help. And our last one, First Peter four verse nine: Show hospitality to one another. Uh, that's a that's a pretty extensive list, and there's probably more that I didn't grab. Um, but I hope that's kind of hitting you a little bit. It hit me that there's so much that we're supposed to, I guess, make ourselves available to other people in. Uh, we're supposed to invest in other people a whole lot more than, than probably I thought. Um, and I don't know if you realise it, but this list and the fruit and the spirit really do go hand in hand because it's the power of the Holy Spirit through the fruit of the spirit that helps you to actually fulfil those that list. It's the fruit of the Spirit that helps you to admonish and helps you to exhort, helps you to be patient, helps you to forgive. You know, those things don't just come naturally. We know that. Uh, but they go hand in hand to one another. So I know that's a big list. It's an important list. Uh, and I do just want to look at a couple here very quickly uh, before I mention one more thing. And the first one that I didn't quite say because I just want to list it here is in Hebrews 10.24 itself, uh, provoke unto love and to good works. And uh, that word provoke, that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to provoke each other to love and to good works. It's translated also sharp or irritation. Now, that doesn't sound like a good thing. But I know Josh mentioned it last week where he said his brother would always provoke him. Hey, do you want to go to the park kind of thing? Like, hey, 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 hey. That's annoying. But what we're supposed to do to one another is to provoke you in a good way to hey, what about this ministry? Hey, what about this thing? Hey, what about that verse? Hey, how can I pray? Hey, 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 hey. Provoke. Be, be a bit pointy. Like, ugh, that person just keeps talking spiritual things to me. That's what it's talking about. I know when I, we first came to this church, uh, you know, this was kind of all pretty new to us. I'd never been to a men's prayer group before. That was like, no way, I'm not touching that thing. Uh, we, would, we would stay at Danny and Jen's uh, on the weekend, as in like we'd go there on a Saturday, spend some time with them. And he would always, and men's prayer was on a Saturday afternoon, he would go to men's prayer on a Saturday afternoon. And every time, without fail, and we were there nearly every week, he would say, hey, do you want to come along to men's prayer? I'd be like, ah, oh, nah, like, yeah, I've got something else to do. <laughs> you know, just shut up, don't ask me that question again kind of thing. But every week he, would, he was provoking me. He was irritating me by being so spiritual. It was annoying. But it took time. But then one time I'm like, you know what? I really should learn how to pray. I really should, really should find out what's going on here. And so then I came and it was awkward because I didn't know how to do it and uh, all that kind of stuff. But then someone else just got alongside me and said, you know, just listen to everyone else pray. You don't, you don't have to worry. It's like, it's cool. And so, you know, he just kept going, kept doing that, and now I go to men's prayer. I've been going to men's prayer pretty much since then. Now, that's not like, oh, you know, wow, I go to men's prayer. But someone took the time to provoke me, to irritate me with something good because they knew it was good for me. And uh, I could balk at that and I could be like, okay, we're not going back to Danny and Jen's now, which some of us do. I'm not, I'm not going to talk to that person because they always talk about spiritual things. Really? In church? Imagine that. But that's what we do. You laugh, but we all do it, don't we? Really. Um, but sometimes you've got to go, okay, maybe the problem is with me. It's not that they're so sharp. It's that I'm so soft 
and I, I need to just let them in a little bit. I need to like find that out. I need to, you know, open myself up to, to something new or to learn something, whatever, whatever it is. Uh, so it could be someone encouraging you to serve in a ministry. Just think about it. Has someone said to you, hey, you should think about signing up for blah. And every time you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's someone in this room who often asks me to go out for coffee with them. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we will. Yep, yep. Yeah, we'll do it next week or, you know, whatever. And, uh, and I'm being serious. I do want to go out for coffee with them. But I'm doing what I said earlier is I'm, I'm trying to be alone. I don't want people to look into my life too much. And so I'll, like, kind of push that off a little bit. Um, and I'll talk to you after. You know who you are. <laughs> um, what I'm saying with that is that we, we need to be that provoking sometimes, but we also need to let people provoke us. We need to, we need to accept that sometimes, okay? Uh, and just on that, next, next week is, like you would have seen in the announcements, and next week is our Ministry Involvement Day. Pray about how the God would use you because, you know, I know this is talking about serving each other and all that kind of stuff. Well, the Lord puts ministries in place for that kind of thing. So just a little side note there. Just remember that one. Um, okay, next one. So provoke unto love and to good works. Next one is bear one another's burdens. We always think about prayer with this. In Galatians 6.2, it says, Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfil the law of Christ. Well, that's part of loving your neighbour, isn't it? Praying for one another, bearing burdens. And definitely prayer is an aspect of this, but there's also the, the physical and the hands-on, uh, I guess that's the best way I can describe it, um, outside of prayer aspect of this. So my wife comes home uh, with the groceries and I'm inside on the lounge relaxing, watching tennis or some good sport like that. Um, and she's got a whole bunch of bags in the car. Now, I might, I might think I'm doing a really good job by getting on my knees and praying that somebody will come and help her with those bags. <laughs> Lord, would you please just send a kind neighbour or a small child that lives in our house to go and help her? <laughs> and I might think that, yes, I'm helping, by, I'm helping bear a burden because I'm committing it to the Lord. I know I'm making a bit of a joke, but sometimes we're a little bit like that too. Uh, we can actually go out and help. We can actually do that thing that that person needs ourselves. Um, so sometimes bearing burdens is not just getting on your knees and praying. That, however, is a really good thing to do. But sometimes we need to actually get off our knees and say, consider what they need. Hey, maybe I can actually help here. Maybe I can exhort somehow. Maybe I can you know, admonish somehow. Maybe I can just physically do something. Um, there's a million things it could be. But if you don't consider what they need, then you're probably never going to get to that point. You're probably always just going to... Stop at prayer. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying praying is a, is a bad thing. I'm saying but if we only ever stop at prayer and we never actually do after that, then that's, that's where a little problem can come. Okay? So we need to bear one another's burdens. Uh, the third one is warn the unruly. Um, interesting one, but I thought I'd just point it out nonetheless. First Thessalonians 5.14 says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, talking to... Christians, warn them that are unruly, and then it goes on with a few other things, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient. So warn them that are unruly. Well, warn really just means to caution or reprove uh, gently. It's not talking about barking, you know, uh, nasty things at people because they're doing the wrong things, but it's, it's getting alongside someone and just gently reproving them for something. 
Now, this is a bit of a touchy issue, I guess, or subject, because I'm not saying, hey, we all have licence just to get in each other's faces about things. I'm saying that if you actually care about someone, you probably will, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, want to talk to them about something, or if you see that there's a problem there. Just like my brother, he went into the church and there was problems that he had in his life, and people that loved him and cared about him came alongside him and, and just gently reproved him from, of some things. Now, I can say it's happened to me in this church a couple of times since I've been here, and it's not nice, it's not pleasant, but is it necessary? Big yes. Am I thankful? Yes. It's just like when you're a kid, if you ever got smacked, you didn't like it, but you were thankful for it later on, much later on. <laughs> um, but seriously, if I think about the times that it's happened to me in this church, it, it was never once pleasant, but I'm so glad that the person cared enough, considered enough to actually invest in me and say, hey, let's look at this thing. Let's, let's see what the Bible says about this or whatever it was. Um, so we need to make ourselves available to that, and that's part of you know, learning from other people as well. And uh, when it says warn the unruly, it really just means disorderly. Um, and if you're a Bible student, it actually, that, that word unruly means negative part of alpha. So it's the opposite of alpha. It's the opposite of, you know, Jesus Christ, the alpha and the omega. It's opposite of his order. When he created everything, it was all ordered. Um, sometimes there's things that are just a bit disorderly in our life and we need a little bit of someone else getting alongside us and go, hey, what about that thing? Let's, let's pray about that. Let's look at that. So that's one thing we have a responsibility towards and not each other. Last one here is to, in the same verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, is to comfort the feeble-minded. Feeble-minded, when do you hear that nowadays? Not really, unless you're reading the King James Bible. But feeble-minded really just means uh, delicate, uh, faint-hearted, a little bit troubled. And uh, we're supposed to comfort those people. Do you know the people around you, what they're going through and what they're feeling? Well, if you do, then it's, it's up to us to comfort them. And that word comfort means to calm and console through speech. So yes, we can pray for God to send comfort, but sometimes it's actually up to us to use our words to comfort someone, to actually have a conversation with somebody else and console them and comfort them. Uh, in other places, that word comfort, and this is interesting, uh, is also used, is translated beseech. You know, I, I beseech you, or he besought him. Um, some, someone talking about Jesus, like besought him to come to him kind of thing. So it's really speaking of a... a, a Physical proximity, not just this idea of, yeah, I'm, I want, want someone to get comfort, but hey, I'm actually like drawing you close or I'm getting up alongside you physically. So we're a local body here. Uh, we, we aren't a live stream church. We like our live stream people. Hello. Um, but we are a local church and we're supposed to get physically alongside somebody else to offer comfort through our words and through our actions coming out of the Holy Spirit, um, the fruit of the Spirit as well. Now, I know we live in a digital age. We can send e-birthday cards and, like I said, we can live stream and all that kind of stuff. But when God wrote all this, his intent was that we would be, be with each other. We would uh, consider the people that are right in our lives that we can see 
that we have something to do with. Uh, he wasn't just talking about, yeah, send all your Christian love across the internet. That's great, but we also need to focus on the people that are right around us as well. So uh, his intent is that we get involved in each other's lives. I'm nearly finished. Uh, not talking about being a policeman and pulling everyone up on every little thing, um, but finding the balance of, like I said, giving and receiving in these areas that God's outlined. Uh, like I said, sometimes you will be the giver, sometimes you'll be the receiver. Sometimes you can be both. You can be giving someone comfort, but you also need to receive comfort. Think about that. There's, there's lots that we are responsible for towards one another, and like there's that list and God's given, and it's, it's pretty challenging, it's pretty convicting. Um, last thing I want to say is the word fellowship. We don't use it very often nowadays. In, in this church, yes, you hear it a lot, but we don't use that word very much nowadays at all. And when it is used, it's often used pretty flippantly. Like, we, we kind of use it like, yeah, fellowship means to kind of get around some people and have a good time. That's a great thing to do, but that's not actually what fellowship really means. It's not, it's not the meaning of the word. Um, the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. I'm pretty sure I said that right. <laughs> koinonia, which is translated fellowship. It actually has the idea of these things, Okay. And just think about this in the, in the context of church and whether you are involved in this or not. So this is what fellowship means. It's talking about joint participation, contribution, distribution, uh, the share that you have in, in a common thing. Are you invested in the people around you in your Christian life? Are you invested in their Christian life? Do you have a share in their lives? You know, like you might buy shares in a company or something like that? Are you invested in the people around you? Do you distribute? Do you contribute? Are you actively participating? Because that's, that's what God's set up in the local church, that people need to do this for each other and to receive of one another. Uh, there's many things that, that God wants us to do in that. So giving and receiving. And uh, the word fellowship, I had a quick search of that um, Actually, before I say that, there's, there's a church member who has a poster in their toilet uh, of a group of birds, some kind of birds uh, migrating, I think. And on the, on the poster it says, Fellowship, those with the same goals heading in the same direction. And uh, that's what I think of whenever I hear the word fellowship. Uh, because we can, like, next week we've got a fellowship lunch plug. Uh, we have a fellowship lunch next week. And uh, we might be like, yes, we have the same goal. We want to eat. And uh, we're all heading in the same direction. We're lining up this way. Then that's fellowship. Yeah, not quite. Um, but it kind of is. Uh, but fellowship within the church. I mean, I looked at that word fellowship. And the Bible talks about this. Fellowship of the gospel, Philippians 1.5. Fellowship of the spirit, Philippians 2.1. And fellowship one with another, 1 John 1.7. And there's other ones as well. Uh, you can only have those things. You can only share in the fellowship of the gospel and the fellowship one with another if you're investing in people's lives, if you're opening yourself up and also considering one another because people need people. We need the Lord to help us to love the people around us. So you can't have those things if, if, if you're not doing the other things. 
Uh, they go hand in hand. So you need the people around you that God put you there, whether you think so or not. And that might sound like a harsh statement, but it is true. I need the people God's put around me, and I'm thankful for them uh, because people, God uses people to reach people. You look anywhere in, in, the, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, God's going to use people to lead people and to send a message to people and to, to you know, ordain people, whatever it is. He uses people to do it. He could you know, do anything in the sky or send some kind of message. He could do that, but he chooses to use people. So how are you being used? Are you being used? Can you be used more? Uh, these are the questions that I'm asking and I hope that you're thinking about. And I hope that it can be a blessing to us as a church as we just try and get alongside each other and edify one another uh, as we face different things together. So I pray that's a help. I pray that's a bit of a blessing. And uh, we'll leave it there. So uh, I might just close with a word of prayer.